From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square2. I'm joined by my longtime friend and business partner, Eric. Say hi, Eric. Hello, Eric. <laughs> Eric, how was your holiday? Not long enough. No, actually, it was great. Spending time with the family is always a joy. Yeah, me too. Um, it's great to get a little break. We gave the team a break, and we had a break from the show, and now we're ready to get started. So a little bit of housekeeping. Hey, if you're interested in the show, check it out on YouTube. Subscribe to the show on YouTube. Give us a like or a shout out or a rating on YouTube. You can get the show on all the, your favorite podcast platforms and on our website at the bottom of our website, What's Wrong With Revenue. There's a link. You can subscribe where we will send you all of these shows right to your inbox. And by the way, you don't know this, but we're no longer emailing everybody. If you want the show, you got to subscribe. So we've changed our distribution policy a little bit going into the new year. And guess what? We're also changing the show format. So one of the advantages of doing a show like this is you really get to see what people like and what they're looking for from content like this. And we decided to make the show a little more story oriented. So you know that today's episode is about how to take your company from ordinary to extraordinary in just 30 days. We like to refer to this as making your company remarkable. It's a phrase that we borrowed from Seth Godin. We're big Seth Godin fans. And in no way did we come up with the idea of being remarkable, but it's just such a great way to describe what's needed for businesses to really stand out. And today we're going to tell you three specific stories about three companies that we worked with over the years and how they became remarkable and what it actually meant to them from a marketing and a revenue perspective. And I'm actually going to do a little show and tell um, I have some examples of their websites and how they've used it in search. And I hope that'll kind of bring it all together for you guys. But the bottom line here is so many companies ask Eric and me, guys, how can I grow my business? And almost everybody thinks growth is about marketing. They want to know like, what paid advertising do I do? How do I get found on Google? What should my website look like? What content should I create? What do I need to do in sales? I got news for you. If all that, if, if it, all it took was those things, every business would be going through the roof. It's not about those things, guys. I have to tell you, there's, there's, there's no special sauce in those marketing and, and sales executables. If you really want to grow, if you really want to know what's wrong with your company, then this is the show for you. Because it's really all about your own business and how you stand out, how it stands out. There's two kinds of companies, ordinary and remarkable. And when we look at ordinary businesses, they just generally struggle to grow. When you look at remarkable businesses, those are the hockey stick models that everyone aspires to. Bottom line is those remarkable businesses worked hard to make their companies remarkable. They do something no one else does. They get rewarded for it. If your business isn't growing, it's probably not remarkable. You got to ask yourself, can our competitors say anything close to what we say about our business? If the answer is yes, you're just not remarkable. Change that and you'll change the trajectory of your company. I guarantee it. We've seen it over and over again, and we're going to give you some real examples of it today. Eric, I'm sure you have something you'd like to add to that. I know this is one of your favorite topics. Well, I mean, you mentioned Seth Godin, and I think that to start or set the table about being remarkable, we should tell the story that moved us 20 years ago, which was the purple cow. Would you mind if I jumped in on that? That would be great. Very appropriate. So Seth Godin wrote the book called The Purple Cow, and I'll paraphrase his story like this. If we decided to blow off today's live cast, please don't leave, and we decided to go for a ride out in the country, soon we'd start to see some cows, one brown cow, another brown cow. And before you know it, we don't even notice the brown cows anymore because there's nothing that remarkable about just another brown cow. 
But then we come around the bend and we see a purple cow. What would we do? Stop the car, jump out. Mike, you're taking pictures and posting them all over social. I'm texting my mom. Mom, get over here. There's a purple cow in the middle of this field. And before you know it, there's a thousand people standing outside the fence looking at this remarkable purple cow. Well, for the leaders of your companies in the audience today, that's your job. You have to create a story so interesting, remarkable, that you get buzz, referrals, word of mouth. And by the way, Mike, how much does it cost when someone refers someone to Square Two? Nothing. And that fits our budget. So they're free and they come with a baked in testimonial. Those references and referrals of some remarkable company is exactly where you should be spending your time. But as you said earlier, Mike, a lot of companies are like, let's spend money on advertising as opposed to working really, really hard to put in things that make their company so interesting that people talk about you and you get the buzz and word of mouth that you seek. Yeah, that's awesome. And if you want to learn more about Remarkable, you can pick up that Purple Cow book from Seth Godin, and it does an amazing job helping you understand whether your business is a purple cow or a brown cow. So I mentioned we were changing the format a little bit. So Eric, do you know what an Easter egg is? Of course. Yes. So I'm going to plant an Easter egg in this video. And if you guys listen to it long enough, you'll probably find that Easter egg. And I really hope you enjoy it. Um, Easter egg is when there's a secret planted in the content that you're consuming. Some people write uh, a special, they put a special link in a book that gives you access to something. If you read the book and you pick up the link and when you're reading it, you can get it. We're going to plant a little Easter egg in the video here. So hopefully you guys will pick it up if you stick around long enough. And I really encourage you to, it's going to be a great session. I have a couple objectives for the session, things that I want to accomplish and share with you. I want to help everybody understand how to look across your industry and evaluate whether your company is remarkable. When Eric and I talk to our clients and we ask them, are you remarkable? Almost all of them say, yes, of course we're remarkable. We have great people. We deliver great service. We've been around for 30 years. The reality is, guys, that's none of those things are remarkable. You know, your competitors are not telling your prospects that their people are mediocre and we've only been in business for two months. They're not saying any of those things. They're saying the same things you are. So I want to make everyone understand, I want to help everybody understand how to do that evaluation and really come to a clear conclusion. Yeah. Well, I usually use two parameters when I'm doing a workshop around this messaging or being remarkable. One, it has to be unique to your company. And two, whatever you're talking about has to be interesting enough that someone would tell their buddy. If you use those two limiters in your description, now you can't say we have great people because that's not unique to your company. And it's not interesting enough that someone would tell their buddy. It's got to be something that fulfills those two criteria. Yep. I'm going to help you guys look inside your business and understand your customers good enough to create some remarkable elements of your business. Remember, this isn't really about what you want. It's about your prospects want. These things that are remarkable about your businesses, they have to be things that move your prospects, which means your prospects have to care about them. We're going to talk a little bit about how long it might take to actually create a remarkable company because Eric hit the nail on the head. It might be the hardest thing you do as a CEO. It might be the hardest thing you do as a leadership team. If you're not going to put the hard work in, you're probably going to be an ordinary company for the life of your business. Yes, Eric. You don't have to raise your hand. Chime right in. We've been doing this long enough. Speak hold right on, up. Hold on. They can't see me. Only you can see me, right? Because it switches to the speaker. Okay. Yeah. So number one, I wanted to emphasize that even though we're uh, explaining how it's a bit of hard work in order to make your company remarkable, the end result is that remarkable companies get to charge a premium price and they drive a lot of net profit. If you are a remarkable company, then you can say uh, I, it's worth a few more pennies on my deal because of these remarkable things that I'm providing for you, uh, per, uh, a prospect person. And that's what uh, you have to understand that it's not just remarkable for the sake of remarkable, but you can actually make a lot more money. Great point. In fact, one of the examples I blogged about when we started talking about this was Amazon, right? Their delivery service and how fast it was and how easy it was to get stuff delivered to your house made price basically a non-issue. People didn't care really what they were paying. They didn't care if there were a couple extra dollars thrown on top of it for shipping. They wanted that item. They wanted it quickly and they didn't want to go out looking around for it from store to store. So I think there's an example of a business that certainly exploded because of how they came on the scene doing something that nobody else did at the time. Yeah, go ahead. I will never forget the day that I was standing on the corner in New York City and it started to rain. 
I was with my wife, my sister, and my brother-in-law. And my brother-in-law said, wait a minute, I can get us a car to take us somewhere. He pulled out his phone, he called an Uber, and a black town car pulled up and took us back to the hotel. Oh, I was yeah. like, what, what? I didn't say, well, is this gonna be more affordable than a taxi? I was like, that's amazing. I will use that all the time, despite the price. Yep, great, yeah, great. I mean, there's a ton of examples that everybody can relate to about companies that did it differently. And it, those are examples of remarkable for sure. Great, so I wanna make sure everyone understands why you need the entire company behind this. This cannot be a marketing initiative because to Eric's point, you know, marketing could have come up with the idea for Uber, but without someone to operationalize that, it was never gonna be a business. You need the entire company behind this and to be active in the process. You also need them to be up for the challenge a few of the things you might start with might not pan out. You can't give up and go back to what you used to do. You have to push and push and push. And lastly, I want everyone to understand that remarkable never stops. You can't be remarkable and then give up. Like to use Eric's example of Uber, what happened? Lyft came along. They're exactly the same company. And they're a little bit less. You know, what did Uber do to respond to Lyft? I'm not sure anything. And now there's a whole group of people who just simply use Lyft for whatever reason, right? So your competitors are going to catch up. You have to make remarkable part of your culture. You can never stop working on it. So I want to talk about some specifics, right? Eric and I identified three specific companies that worked really hard to be remarkable. And I want to give you guys some examples. I want to tell you a little bit about their journey. And, and how they came up with their Remarkables. I wanna show you a little bit of how Remarkable translates from a website and search perspective, and hopefully give you guys some ideas about what it might mean for your own business. So Eric, we're gonna start talking about Arbel. Do you wanna kick us off? I know you're like a fan of the company and you did some work with them when we worked with them. Arbel was a client of ours probably six or seven years ago. and We really got them down this, this road of being Remarkable. And interestingly enough, a lot of what we worked with them is still part of their marketing today. And I'll show you that. But Eric, why don't you introduce us to Arbil a little bit and, and tell us kind of a little bit about their story. Of course, when we met Arbil back in the day, they were perhaps the most unsexy company in the entire universe. They sell safety products, boots, gloves, protective eyewear, hard hats, you know, stuff like that. And when the dad started the business many years ago, he was all about how much stuff can I sell people? And he did fine. But then his daughter took over and started to work with us to have the same conversation we're having right now. Why should I do business with Arbo? What makes that company so remarkable? And in one of our meetings, Julie, the owner, said to us, you know, if we could get all the employees of our customers, all those folks who work in factories and distribution centers and warehouses, if we could get all those people home safe each night, we would have fulfilled our mission. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's talk about that for a second. So understanding the personas, which we talked about before, they were considering the warehouse managers and operations folks that run factories. And one of their major pains and problems is they lie awake at night in, in bed, worrying that one of their team members will get hurt on their watch. That's a big concern of theirs. Understanding that our team helped Arbil create their new rallying cry. Everybody goes home safe tonight. That's what we do at Arbil. Okay, that's a little different. Now, their website used to say, take 10% off your hard hats today only. But what we did is we built a little ticker and that ticker slowly turned all day showing that something like 400,000 people went home safe each night because of the work that Arbil did. They had blogs where they talked about how people could get hurt and how you can prevent it. They did videos about uh, preventing people from getting hurt. And as one of their big offers that really differentiated them, they'll even fly a safety auditor out to your factory or warehouse to give you a free safety audit to show you where people might get hurt and how you can prevent it. Now, at the end of the day, they had a great story and they had great content. But we, the real essence of this story is that we made a very strong emotional connection with the buyers. Think about these buyers, they're like warehouse managers and safety officers, not the easiest folks in the world to sell to. But knowing their pains, we made a very strong emotional connection because think about it, who would you rather do business with? Someone who wants to sell you something or someone who wants to help you get your people home safe each night. And that's a good example of a company that pivoted and really is flourishing. Yeah, it's awesome. And I'm going to show you some, some very specific things about this company that are going to be relevant to what Eric's saying. 
I want to fill in a couple of the blanks here because one of the things we want everyone to understand is how you go about making your company remarkable. And Eric mentioned it along the way. They really understood their target buyers. They really understood what their issues were. They understood what their pains were. They understood that they were not looking necessarily for the cheapest hard hat. They were looking to protect their employees. And that insight allowed us to help articulate a story that resonated with the people that they were trying to get in touch with. They understood their pains and they understood how they could potentially deliver solutions that were remarkable, like the safety audit that Eric talked about. I'm going to show you their competitor's website in a minute. They didn't talk about any kind of safety audit. They just talked about the massive amount of products that they provide. And the Arbil experience stood out. And no one even attempted to try to, to catch up to them in that area. And while it has changed a little bit over the years from what we help them with, it is still essentially the same message. So you really have to understand your target buyers. You really have to understand what, what pains and problems they're having. And you have to come up with solutions in your business that are specifically targeted to those pains and, and solutions that, in fact, nobody else in your space is even coming close to delivering. Uh, Mike, while you're firing that up, I got two quick stories from workshops I've done recently. One was a uh, company that has therapists, right, that help people with therapy. And they mostly hire females. And they realized that they're, uh, they could not staff up quickly enough because the females had kids. What they did is every time they open up one of these therapy offices, they also opened up a child care center next to it. So they had this two-pronged business where now, if you were looking to work with someone, they were like, we got childcare right on premises. It's one of our uh, businesses. I thought that was just so remarkable to think that way because it wasn't the business, but they were solving a big problem. The second one was we were working with a construction company, very simple. They uh, specialized in uh, fit out of office space, nothing that remarkable. But when we asked them, hey, what's the biggest pain or problem that your prospects have? Everybody hates the punch list. That little list of 20 things at the end of a project that have to be completed that the people never come back and finish. So we created with them the zero punch list countdown. And all we did there is send in the punch list person 30 days ahead of the, the turning over of the keys as opposed to that day. Then they had a whole month to clean up the little outlet that was crooked and the paint chip and all those things. And the promise was that when we give you the keys, there will be a zero item punch list. Those little things really make companies stand out. By the way, Mike, how much did it cost for that company to create the zero punch list countdown? Nothing. All they had to do was think operationally, hey, let's send our folks in a month early and that'll solve the problem and we could promote it. Yep. Great. Can you guys see this? Eric, can you see that? Sure can. The okay, Google great. part so is small, but the website is big. Okay, good. Well, that's how it's supposed to be, I think. Good. All right. So this is the website we designed for them initially with the story safer every day and workers protected today. This is the ticker that Eric was talking about. You can see there's a person there with a variety of safety products that they offer and learn how to keep workers safe. It was a completely different story and approach to their business than many of their competitors. Now, like we said before, this was a while ago. So I want to just reference, uh, this is today's search for them. Look how they leveraged safer every day in the actual Google listing, right? So this isn't just about a website. This isn't just about collateral material. This is about their entire story and how they're thinking about their companies. Arbil, safer every day. Together, we'll reduce injuries in your workplace. It's a whole approach. And look at their website today. While it looks different, it's the same story. Safer every day. We provide safety products, services, and knowledge to protect people so they can get on with the business of living. It's just a slightly different approach to what we got them started with many, many, many years ago. It's evolved over the years. But guys, this is their competitor. This is Granger. They're probably 10 times the size of Arbel. And look what they're doing. They're just selling products, right? It's a, it's a giant store with a search engine that helps you find the product you're looking for. There's nothing that differentiates them. There's nothing specifically that, that makes you feel good about wanting to work with them. There's nothing remarkable. There's nothing that speaks to the people that they want to engage with. It's just a completely different approach. And maybe it works for Granger. I don't know. But it certainly wouldn't help another um, safety products company who is trying to compete with Granger. You literally have to be different. And this is a really good example of how you can go about doing that.
By the way, entrepreneurial companies have the ability to pivot on a dime. They can make those changes to their website. They can come up with a new message quickly where the big competitors like Ranger, they can't move so quickly. So that's a competitive advantage for your middle market companies versus the big guys. And having a remarkable story, once again, doesn't cost too much. It just takes a little bit of thought about what your prospects are looking for. It's a great point. Um, so is it still sharing or are we done? Nope, we're done. Okay, good. Okay, so I want to now move on to another company because again, I want to give you guys a, a fairly wide example of, of what this means. So I want to talk about True Methods. True Methods is a client, was a client of ours for six years. They recently moved on and I'll explain to you why in a second. They really leaned into this also. And so what, what True Methods did when we met them was they're a community uh, uh, and, and a service provider, a, a professional consulting firm for people who own MSPs, managed service providers. These are the IT companies that help you with your laptops and internet and, and servers and, and applications and stuff like that. Um, there's there are many, many, many of these MSPs out there in the world. You probably have one that supports you or you know somebody who's in this business. And, and True Methods was the company that was helping those MSPs run better by providing them a community and providing them um, uh, methodology and systems and process to be more profitable as an MSP. They really leaned into this idea of wanting to be remarkable. And they really understood the pains and the problems of the owners of these MSPs. And through our work with them, we created a number of very specific items that help them stand out and be remarkable. For instance, one of them was the true lab. The fact that True Methods was working to identify issues that these MSP owners had and create solutions for them. I mean, the business was, was remarkable out of the gate. There are a lot of MSP consultants, but no one that really had a community and the depth of service that True, Method was, True Methods were providing. The owner of True Methods, Gary Pica, was, was really well known in the industry. He had an MSP at one point, sold it and started True Methods. So there was a ton of thought leadership available. But the fact that they were willing to talk about the lab environment that they were building inside their company and how that was specifically designed to help other owners was a big element that made them remarkable. And you need these components to build up to tell remarkable stories to your clients. They also wanted to... Uh, talk about Formula One, W-O-N, W-O-N, which helped them be differentiated as well. It was the, the name that they used to brand the software that they were rolling out. Now, they were a community and a content and a services firm that was moving to be a software company, and they wanted to really stand out even more. The transition from a services company to a software company help them stand out as well. No longer were they giving you binders on how to run your MSP. They were now offering software that was going to be a tool to help you run, run your MSP more efficiently and more profitably. An, an amazing effort to continue to be remarkable. You know, they knew that the community was good, but the software was going to be better. This is back to this idea that you always have to work to be remarkable all the time, adding new things to your business. They also wanted to use um, uh, help there uh, actual process methodology stand out, and my IT process was what they used to do that. And all of these things together became a really nice platform for MSPs to understand what they were going to do, to connect with them emotionally, to realize that they had the tools and techniques to help their companies grow and be more profitable. And it helped them build the community. It helped them sell their software, and it really helped them stand out in their space, something that they have been working on with us for up to six years when at the end of last year, they successfully had an exit, which I know was their objective for quite a, quite, quite a long time. So I'm sure they did that exit on their own. I'd like to think we had a little to do with it in terms of positioning their marketing and help them be remarkable. But, you know, if growth is your objective, great. If exit's your objective, great. Whatever you want to accomplish in your business, this idea of having it stand out, differentiated it and making it remarkable is going to be really important. Eric, All right. anything like you want to add? Yeah, I do want to add something from a stakeholder's perspective, okay? Sure, yeah. So let's say you and I own an MSP, and we are looking for some consulting services and someone to help us grow. You're like, hey, Eric, did you talk to some of those MSP consultants we talked about? Yes, I did, Mike. Well, what happened, Eric? Well, I talked to three companies. Two of them, well, they kind of sounded the same. But this one company, True Methods, man, they have this Formula One platform that was so cool. 
even though they're a few pennies more, I recommend we go with them. And there's once again, where the premium price comes in, but it differentiates you. Now, what happens is when someone's looking at your company to hire you, they really don't want to know all the granular details. They really don't want to know how the sausage is made. They want to feel safe. And when you come up with a branded thing like Formula One, and you can promote it on your website, and you can clearly tell the story, what happens is it allows people that are making a decision to carry the story to someone else. By packaging it up as one of your differentiators, aka Remarkables, now someone can say to their boss, hey, this Formula One, I think we should really look at that, seems to solve all of our problems, knocking the competitors out of the box. Now, second stakeholders, the competitors to True Methods. How's it going over there, Charlie? You sell anything today? No, boss, I lost another deal to True Methods. What happened? Man, they got this Formula One platform. They're winning every deal. Hey, you know what, Charlie? We need our own version of that. Meanwhile, to your point, Mike, while the competitor is trying to create a remarkable to compete against Formula One, the True Methods team is already coming up with all the other stuff to make them once again more remarkable. Raising the bar every quarter by introducing a new differentiator or remarkable that raises the table stakes of what does it mean to compete with True Methods. So there's so many things going on with just a simple strategic shift in your message. There really are. And again, like, like I said, this really came from the top at True Methods. You know, the, the CEO there really drove this. You know, they had a conference that they ran every year, which had a funny name called Schnizfest that people could remember. And, you know, the, everybody else in the space was doing a lot of traditional things. And he was really stretching and, and trying to do things that were remarkable. And it paid off. You know, Eric is 100% right. It's hard for your competitors to keep up when you're constantly raising the bar. And, you know, these are not, you know, nothing we're talking about here is related to advertising or marketing or content creation or websites. It's all about how you think about your business. You know, this, this doesn't take money. This takes intelligence and understanding your target market and understanding what their problems are and what they need and how can you deliver it in a remarkable way. It's so rudimentary simple that sometimes Eric and I just are shocked how, how more companies don't try to work on this more aggressively. And like I said, True Methods and Gary is, you know, we at Square Two, we have some Hall of Fame clients. I'm sharing some of them with you today, but these guys were, were absolutely one of them. And we couldn't have been happier to see them get their exit. That was amazing. That hard work paid off, but don't, don't get us wrong. It is, it is hard work. It takes a continued effort to make your company remarkable, but Anyone can do it. Eric, how many companies in the entire time we've had this business have we not been able to make remarkable? One. Yeah, only one. We're going on our 19th year and we talk about this one company all the time. I don't know if it was the industry or the, the owner, but there's just been a single company that we could not come up with something that made them remarkable. Do you want to tell that story for a minute? Yeah, it wasn't that we could have come up with it. We said, based upon your strategy, here are the remarkables that we recommend. Half of them he already had in place. He was like, oh yeah, we have that. We're like, really? Why didn't you tell us that? The second thing was he was a little bit reticent to try some of the things we recommended. So with that blend of stuff that he had already, the engagement didn't work out perfectly. Literally every one of the other hundreds of clients we've had in 19 years, we've been able to push them a little bit to tell their story in a much richer way that started to move the needle from a response perspective. I mean, it's easy to close a deal when you got something different going on, right? And I'll give you our personal example. You know, at Square Two, we have six core values. One of them is remarkable or nothing. We try as a team to push ourselves to say, if it's not remarkable, we're not going to do it. And two is practice what you preach. We're always trying to be remarkable to show our clients and they enjoy that in our sales process because they're hearing things they're not hearing from other agencies, specifically our popular accelerator program. I feel so comfortable when I talk to a prospect because I know that it's something that we have and no other agency has. And if the other agencies try to do it, it's like Mike said, a lot of hard work to figure out how to do this. We we did the hard work to figure it out and now we're reaping the benefits. Who doesn't want six months worth of work in 30 days? But to figure that out, that took us about a year. Yep, yeah. So yeah, it's work well invested. Let, let me put it uh, that I'll, I'll give you a quick example. I have a friend and he's the general manager of a car dealer. 
I said to him, why can I only buy a car from nine to five, Monday through Saturday? I said, I'm off on Sunday. I'm off on the evenings, right? I wake up early in the morning. He said, well, because that's the way we do it. So I said, well, let's not start with buying a car. How about just fixing my car? What if I was able to drop my car off on my way home from the airport at one o'clock in the morning? What would that take? I was trying to help him operationalize it. He said, well, we have to have somewhere all, all through the night. I said, well, how much is a person to sit there and just collect keys? They don't have to fix my car at one o'clock in the morning, but they got to take my keys to give me my loaner. Well, $15 an hour. I said, well, for $15 an hour, everybody would be talking about how you can drop your car off 24-7, 365, and it would come back to you many times over in revenue. He goes, yeah, nobody does that. We're not doing that either. It just literally died right there on the vine. I mean, we could talk about ideas that we've had for clients that didn't go anywhere literally all day. So let me, since you got me started, let me share this with you. Do you remember the uh, car leasing company we worked with? Of course. Yes, they specialized in high-end cars, BMWs, Porsches, Land Rovers, Maseratis, Mercedes. Like they, they helped you get your high-end car. They had a very high-end clientele. Do you remember how we talked to them about the subscription service? Of course. Pay, 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 pay a monthly fee and you can come and drive whatever car you want whenever you need it, right? Yeah, I had, they, a por I had a Porsche in February, I had a Land Rover in March. Right, I need an SUV for the winter, I want a convertible for the summer. The ideas were endless. And again, the feedback was, nah, you know, that sounds like a lot of hard work, we're not gonna do it. You know who does that now, right? Oh yeah, what's the name? Um... Volvo literally has a subscription service. You pay Volvo every month. You can drive whatever car you want, whenever you want it. Now, let me ask you something, Mike. Is that less than, equal to, or more than a traditional payment? Uh, it's more, of course it is. Exactly, right? premium right. price for the premium uh, service, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah I, would easily, I would easily pay another 100, 200 bucks a month on my lease payment if I had the flexibility to choose cars to my pleasure. Of course you would. And like, how cool would it be just to try a different car for a month, right? Like, oh my God, I mean, I could go on forever with this. There's, there's so many ideas. You just got to be open. You got to be uh, available to try something new and, and, and see how it goes. When it aligns with what your customers want or your prospects want, it's going to be a home run. You just got to be open to it. You can't well, be scared. Um, let me tell you this point, story. To that Real point, Mike, to that point, the hard work is also standing in the shoes of your prospect and viewing your business through their eyes, not for what you want to sell, but what they want to buy. And that's sometimes difficult because when you're in it, it's hard to be objective. You're very subjective because this is the way we've always done it. Yeah, it's true. But there's a human element that I think keeps people from doing this too. So our job with our clients is to make them stand out, right? Eric, if you and I were going to a cocktail party and your objective was to stand out, my advice to you would be wear a clown suit, right? You're going to stand out, but you're going to say to me, I'm not wearing a clown suit. That's ridiculous. I'm going to be embarrassed. People are going to be looking at me. Yeah, they're going to be looking at you. You asked me to help you stand out, but there's an element of trepidation associated with that. You know, you're going to be embarrassed. Like, why am I wearing a clown suit? People are going to want to know. But that's exactly what we're trying to do for our clients. We want them to stand out. And that feeling of being uncomfortable is probably an indication that you're on the right track. You got to push through it. No, I don't want to embarrass your company. But if I threw a red blazer on Eric, he'd stand out too. And it might not be as embarrassing as the clown suit. All he has to do is be like, yeah, I wanted to make an impression. You know, like it's, it's literally that easy. Just get past those things that are making you concerned and nervous and create these elements of your business that no one else is doing. And this is how you're going to grow. It's not paid social. It's being remarkable. Well, to Let your point, before you go on to the third story, yeah, go ahead. You know, buy-in is a bit of a challenge because when you come up with an idea, that's not what everybody else is doing immediately. Your team is like, well, nobody else does that. And they right. start to push back. But I'll tell you right. from my experience, once the team tries a remarkable, even in the most slightest step forward and they get positive response, now they go all in, specifically salespeople. They don't want to change what they're doing. But when you give them something that differentiates them from the competition and they give it a try and they get that positive feedback, now they won't shut up about it. Uh, no question about it. So the last story we have is a, a professional services firm. So 
you know, we have a, like a traditional distribution company. We have an IT company, a software company. This is a professional services firm that came to us and said, look, we, we want to grow. And we really are, are leaning on our, it's an accounting firm. We're really leaning on our accountants to get us new business. And look, they just, they, they're accountants. They don't want to sell. They don't, they don't want to market. They want to do tax prep, right? Which is very common in professional services firm. But this company had some really uh, smart leadership that recognized they needed a much better story and they needed to stand out and they needed to be remarkable. And what was interesting about these guys is they had the, the clay of what it was going to take to make them remarkable. They had the, the, the pieces, they just weren't put together right. And when we met with them, they started talking about a culture of wanting to fight for their clients. And they kind of referred to themselves as, as tax warriors, but they were only doing it internally. And they, they had a very specific type of client that they wanted. They didn't want you know, people who were doing 1099s. They wanted people with large, complex family offices or multiple businesses or you know, a, lot, a lot of properties. They wanted people who had complex tax-related issues. Um, and we helped them turn their internal culture, which was already strong and, and well-established, into a story that still exists today. We help them kind of be comfortable taking that tax warrior strategy out to the world. And we help them come up with the idea that people can use tax as a business strategy. So it was already in everything they did. All we had to do was help them get comfortable with pushing it out into the marketplace. And if you go to their website, which I can show you real quickly too, uh, hopefully. While you're doing that, Mike, think about how low the bar is when you're talking about accounting firms marketing. Yep. You roll out with the tax warriors conversation. Yep. You eat the competition for lunch 10 times yep. over because accountants aren't known as marketers. And that's where their leadership was very savvy, realizing there's an opportunity that they could grab onto without spending money on advertising. Yeah. Not to mention, look at who they're going after. These people, they make a lot of money, you know, if they have complex businesses and multiple businesses, you know, and they want to protect their money. They're already paying a lot in taxes and they want someone that's going to fight for them so that they can keep their hard on money. No, none of us really like being partners with the government. We, we have to be, we get it, but you know, we want someone representing us and fighting for us. And here they are again, taxwarriors.com is their website. It's right in when you search for Drucker and Cachetti, and Cachetti, you can see that they're tax warriors and look with how they're promoting that. This is one of the guys that works for the company. He's a warrior. And again, this isn't the website we did for them. This is how the work we did for them years and years and years ago has remained important and front and center in their business. Why tax warriors? They're going to explain to you why you want someone who's going to fight for you and their tagline remains, after all this time, tax is a business strategy. These kind of things can stick when they're done well and when they're done effectively can really become important elements of your business that really help you stand out and really help you grow. I mean, this company has exploded over the years in terms of its ability to be one of the most successful and recognized um, tax and accounting firms in the Delaware Valley for people that they want to do business with. So, uh, you know, again, I hope you appreciate these stories and how sticky this work can be and how it can really help your company get to where you want to go. Anything you want to add, Ark? No, but I'm now concerned about my taxes. <laughs> cool. Okay. So I do want to do a couple of questions because we have some questions and I don't want to ignore the questions completely. So we have a couple of questions here. This is coming from Kim in Florida. How would we start working on something like this in our company? What are the first steps? Kim, you're asking the right question. Eric, what do you, how do you think Kim should get started having the, the, the difficult maybe and important conversations inside our company to get them thinking like this? It's a process, Mike, like anything else. One, identify the perfect client that you want to do business with. Two, identify the pains and problems that they have when buying services from companies like yours. Three, make a list of all the solutions that your company provides to make those pains and problems go away. And four, this is where the rubber meets the road, make those solutions remarkable. This is where edge crafting comes in, which is another Seth Godin concept. You don't want some boring ass solution to a problem. You want something remarkable. So this is where you can brainstorm and say, well, if they have this problem, what can we do to solve that? So 
the four-step process I just outlined is critical. Now, remember, it's not about the company and how long they've been in business and how big their factory is. It's really standing in the shoes of the prospect and understanding that. How do we know the pains and problems? You listen to your prospects and clients when they're talking to you in a sales setting, right? You then take those and says, well, you know, we, th th this person is really worried about deadline. Like, are we going to finish on time? So how can we fix that? You know what? Let's flip it around. Let's start from the date they want this delivered and work backwards. Okay, now let's give it a name. We're going to call that the reverse timeline. So now instead of, hey, how do I know when my construction project is going to be done on time? I don't know. We'll try our best versus let me tell you how we guarantee that your project is going to be done on time. It's called the reverse timeline. You tell us when you want this project done and we'll work backwards and set the seven milestones necessary to get this project done. By the way, every time we pass one of those seven milestones, we're going to give you a personal text message on your cell phone to let you know we passed milestone number three and we're on to milestone number four. That's what the company was doing already. But by pulling it out of them and giving it a little story and a brand that's reverse, no space, capital T timeline with a little TM at the end, now we have something that fulfills the two criteria. Interesting enough that someone would tell their buddy and unique to that company. And that, I forgot the person's name, Kim, you said, I think? Yep, Kim, yep. Kim, that simple four-step process is all you need to develop some remarkables. It's such a good uh, set of advice for people and literally anybody can follow that. It just takes a little bit of like initiative and, and, and uh, stick to itness to work through it. You're going to have some naysayers right now. We, we can't do a reverse timeline. Like, you know, what, what if uh, the project runs over, right? Like you got to be able to work through that. You got to be able to identify the issues and talk about them and, and, and find some way to, to fix that. So you can deliver it. Right. Um, I'll tell you a couple of really good stories. The first one, and when we we really got into this, this we've been doing this for so long. When we really got into this, there is a one company. There are a lot of companies that are good at this, but Disney is amazing at this. So there's a story about Walt Disney and the opening of Disneyland in California. Do you remember this, Eric? Of course. Right. So it's the first day of Disneyland, and Walt is in the off in the meeting with his operations people. And he's telling them how great the park looks. It is beautiful. Everything is freshly painted. Everything is working perfectly. He's so excited. And he says to these guys, these, maybe there are some women there. I don't know. He says to these people, <laughs> he says to these people, I want to make sure that the park looks just as pristine a year from now as it does today. And, and the initial response was, well, how could we possibly do that? You know, like that's going to be impossible. Like a hundred thousand people are going to come here today. It's going to, it's not going to look the same tomorrow as it looks today. And he said, well, I don't want to hear about how we can't do it. I want to hear about how we can do it. And, and someone said something, we'd have to paint the place every single day. He goes, well, then paint the place every single day. Like that's important to me. The experience people have at Disneyland is going to set us apart from the other shoddy run uh, amusement parks that everybody is used to going and you guys know how disney land disney world you know how it works they have the intricate underground system that allows people to, people to pop up and clean up as soon as someone drops a piece of paper as soon as they miss the trash can someone picks it up and puts it in they paint the place every single night like they figured out the systems that they need to keep those parks looking amazing and everybody talks about it those parks are so clean family friendly people love going there because it's just a beautiful experience and they pay a ton of money to go to those places no one ever questions it because they know it's going to be an amazing experience i can talk about stories like this over and over and over again Eric, being remarkable it's not always about big initiatives like painting the park every single day all of us are buying stuff online from all kinds of different companies what is what is our pain around the products that we've ordered. Where the heck is it, right? If they would simply let us know where these, these products are, Amazon honestly doesn't even do a great job at this until it's about to show up, right? But in the meantime, where are they? When am I gonna get it? I'm constantly looking for old emails and, and emailing them, hey, can you give me an update on the shipping for this? I don't know when it's gonna come. Eric, please tell our listeners about CD Baby. Oh, great story, Mike. CD Baby was a firm uh, pre-internet or pre-digital music that actually shipped you CDs, right? Compact discs with your favorite music on it. So 
uh, while the music selection was great and the service was great, they really took the extra step of making their communication remarkable. So to Mike's point about wondering where your order is, here's what their shipping notification sounded like. Please apologize, I'm paraphrasing. Today is a sad day at CD Baby. The CD that you've selected was one of our staff favorites and we're sad to see it leave our facility, but we know that it'll be in good hands once it gets to your place. I just wanna let you know that the entire team today went down to the shipping department, wrapped up your CD in a velvet box with a gold ribbon, and then we marched down Main Street to the US Post Office where we shipped it to you using tracking number 12345ABC. And then it said, PS, please call us as soon as it arrives. We're very concerned about this CD. Now, Mike, you get that shipping notification, which by the way, is just a little bit of copywriting. You gotta send one out anyway. And what's the first thing that someone does when they get it? One, they laugh. Two, they share it with all their buddies. Look how funny this is, which spreads the word about CD Baby to all the other people that might be targets of the company as well. So these little touch points that you're talking about create an overall remarkable experience, once again, without spending money on advertising. 100%. And, and there's actually a name for an email like that. We call it Little Wows. Actually, I think Disney might have come up with that also, but those Little Wows can make your, your, uh, your prospect's experience, your customer's experience with your company remarkable. It doesn't take a big company-wide initiative to write an email like that. It just takes a little bit of creativity and some extra effort. Well, it also takes standing in the shoes of the prospect once again, right? So if they sat around and said, you know, we get a lot of people asking like, where's my order? Let's work on this today, right? Okay, well, let's give them a really interesting email that has a, let's, uh, and then by the way, if we write it interesting enough, people will share it and we'll get more business. Like it's so straightforward, but who has time to carve out two hours to write a shipping notification that's funny? And that's sometimes the challenge. Yep. Well, we'll do one more question and then we'll wrap up. So this is from Bob in California. How long does it typically take to get the initial work done? And then how long does it take to get the actual implementation of ideas like this? So Eric, I'll, I mean, this is pretty straightforward. We've talked about a ton of different ideas in this area. It's going to depend, Bob, you know, uh, agreeing across the company that you want to upgrade the communication process around your delivery probably doesn't take that long. It just takes everybody to agree. We're gonna write some interesting, funny, or, or, or remarkable communications. We're gonna put it into the system. You know, you probably need some technical coding to make sure those emails get launched properly and you, you, you change out the standard copy with your new copy. It might not take long at all. Some ideas- uh, Well, back to the reverse timeline and the text messages, Mike, you might need to buy a little piece of software that manages right. text messaging when you, when you reach a certain milestone, but like they're bupkis compared to the overall impact that you're going to have on the experience. Right. I mean, some ideas might take longer. I mean, if you're going to- well, it, it took us a year to figure out the accelerator program. It, it did. It did. I mean, if you're really going to operationally change the business, which in some cases is necessary, it might take you longer, but- I think Eric's been making this point all through the show is you really have to stand in the shoes of your prospect. If communication is like a big issue for them, that's not a big company-wide initiative that requires different departments to get on the same page. Just upgrade the communication. It's, it, some of these ideas are gonna be simple. Some of them might be more complicated. Start with the simple ones. You don't have to boil the ocean to be remarkable. Start with the easy stuff and then work into the bigger stuff over time. Agreed. All right, so uh, this last question is from Kathy in Minnesota. What's the impact around these companies? How did it help? So, you know, we talked about true methods. I mean, they were able to differentiate their company and, 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 and execute an exit. So I, I don't think the impact can be any more dramatic than helping them achieve their lifelong objectives, both personally and professionally to sell the company and sail off into the sunset. You know, in terms of our bill, they are up against some very big competitors who have a lot more money than them. And they're, you know, boxing above their weight, as people like to say, because they stepped up and, and were able to do something that their bigger competitors were not interested in doing. And Drucker and Scacchetti, I mean, they all they all have always been a highly regarded professional firm, but now they're just much more visible, much more differentiated, 
I know they were looking to extend outside of their region and, and push up into New York and down into DC. I'm sure the messaging connected with a lot more people in those other geographies. It's not just about being local anymore. It's about finding someone that's going to fight for you. And their story uh, contributes to that. So being remarkable is never going to hurt. Let's put it that way. There's really nothing about it that would do anything to impact your business, as opposed to if you don't work on the company, if you're not remarkable and you just start throwing money at marketing, look, you have a 50-50 chance that you're going to waste that. So I don't think you can go wrong with this in any way. This is a very low risk effort if you choose to adopt it. Well, it's probably the lowest risk, but in comparison, the highest return that you can get in marketing. Absolutely, for sure. No question about it. So I talked about a little Easter egg. Here it is. If you've been following us all along and you want a free initial remarkable session, anyone who's listening, watching, or follows us, if you want us to do a little bit of this work with your business, all you have to do is email Eric at eric at square2marketing.com and he'll schedule some time with you to go through this session with your business. We do it frequently with our clients. We do it frequently with prospects. We actually love doing it. So if you're interested in us giving you a little bit of feedback and a little bit of kind of like pushing the snowball down the hill in this area, we're happy to do it. So there's a little bit of a free offer for you if you've been paying attention oh, and listening to the show. Whoever picks up this Easter egg, I will give them guaranteed three knock your socks off ideas in 30 minutes without even hesitating. No, you're the best at it. So everyone should really take them up on that for sure. Um, no problem. I'm going to wrap up with a little bit of a shout out. So um, I was talking to a friend of mine, Eric, you'll know who it is, Patrick Shea. He's a, a connect, connection of ours from HubSpot. He doesn't work at HubSpot anymore. But I was talking to him on LinkedIn today and he passed along a really nice compliment. He goes, I love your videos. I share it with everybody in my company. And my, my tagline is these guys know what they're talking about. So Patrick, if you're watching this show, I really appreciate that. I wrote you in LinkedIn, but you made my day. We do these shows and sometimes you wonder, like, is anyone watching them? And I'm thrilled to, to, to know that you found value in it enough to share it with your colleagues at your new, at your new gig there. So congratulations and thanks for sharing that with me. I really appreciate it. Um, anyone else, uh, check out the show on YouTube, check out the show on all the podcast platforms, check out the show on our website, give us some feedback, listen, rate us. We're always looking for feedback next week. We're going to talk about what's wrong with revenue. We're going to tell you some more stories. I told you the format's going to change a little bit next week. We're going to talk about how to go from a 0.5% conversion rate on your website to a 5% conversion rate. I'm going to tell you some stories about some clients that had similar kinds of results and how they did it. Eric's going to be traveling next week, so I'm going to find a guest host to join us. Um, but hopefully you guys will all want to be part of that show as well. Thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Happy New Year to everybody. And we'll talk to you soon. Be remarkable. <laughs>